right, let's, uh, let's talk about this book that we're going to spend our year in. Uh, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're discussing scripture, yeah, uh, one, of the, one of the mistakes that people make is trying to take scripture and fit it in particular things. So you, I don't know, you read, ah, I don't know, you read, a, you read the book of Samuel, you, hear, you read the wonderful story of David, and you read the, the, the powerful story of David's friendship with Jonathan, and you think, wow, this is a manual for how I'm supposed to conduct my friendships. No, it isn't. Okay, that's, you have to go back. What is the purpose of the book of Samuel? What was it written for? Who was it written for? What was going on there? The book of David and Jonathan's friendship, while admirable, is not the manual for all Christian friendships. You with me? This is not, it's not the place that you go to if you want to properly see the theology of what a Christian friendship looks like. You have to go elsewhere for that. So this is, this is the problem that we make. We, 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 we draw things. And I think part of the problem is, is made by... Our, our emphasis on um, our, our emphasis on devotion. So we, we think that every text needs to apply directly to me and my situation today as I read it. Are you with me? So I'm reading a particular text, and so this text is God's word from heaven for me today in its form like this. But I would alter that. I would say... It is God's word for you, because that's what you're reading, that it is God's word for you, but you need to do a number of steps to ensure that you're applying the right meaning to yourself. You with me? What, where am I going with this little, this little preamble? I'm going here. Uh, when you look at the, at the contents page of the Bible and you say, okay, which book should I go to as a young person to figure out how I am to live. If, if I did not have a father or a mother who taught me in righteousness, which book am I going to go to here that's going to hold my hand and teach me the way that I should go? If I am trying to figure out just, just to sit, let's, just to figure out how am I to even think about my days, my practical days, like... Okay, yeah, you're talking about the grand theology of Christ and the church. You're talking about the, the wonderful theology of, uh, I don't know, you know, the Trinity. You're talking about all these big things. But how am I to be faithful today? You know, you were, where were you today? You were at Vitz. You were at UJ. You were on the road in the middle of, uh, of traffic. You were frustrated on the road as the, the roads were not working, weren't you? You were, especially if you were driving. You were frustrated with your roommate. I can see it. You know, you've got some complaints. You're not happy with the roommate that you were assigned. Okay, there's these big grand theologies. Well, how do they come to you in those moments? You know, how, how do you, when you're thinking about how to deal with the frustrations of just general life, when you're thinking about how to uh, uh, navigate uh, uh, being a Christian normally, which is the book that God has designed to deal with those things and deals with it in a, in, a, in, a, in a holistic fashion, specifically for life? It is the book of Proverbs. There's no other book. It is the book of Proverbs that God was thinking of you as a student needing wisdom. Yeah, you guys, you guys, you, you love big things and you love theologies and you love all these big terms and you, will of God, all of these things that are massive and out there. And I'm not putting you down. You should chase that and study it. But the book of Proverbs takes, takes you and makes you meet God in the daily. You see, the book of Proverbs is going to tell you things you're not going to want to hear. Because the book of Proverbs is going to show you how ungodly you are. The book of Proverbs is going to take your heart and expose it and say, you see, this is why you need Christ. 
The book of Proverbs is not only, but thankfully the book of Proverbs is not just going to do that. The book of Proverbs is going to go one step further. It's going to say, now that you've been called in Christ, now that you have been reborn, now that you belong to Him, here's the way that you need to conduct yourself in this situation, in that situation, in that situation. When you find in your youthful self certain responses to things, okay, so there's a certain way that you, that you as a young person respond. You respond in particular ways. The book of Proverbs, book of Proverbs is going to open it up and say, this is not the way to respond. This is the way. When you feel hot under the collar and you want to go comment on that comment section and say whatever is on your mind, the book of Proverbs is going to tell you that a fool just gives vent to his spirit. You're going to go comment. You want to, when you want to make them get a piece of your mind. And the book of Proverbs says, oh, look at this idiot. Look at the stupid person. That's literally the words that are there. Stupid. Foolish. Not thinking. Lacking sense. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go incognito on Google Chrome. Yeah? I see you. You're going to go incognito on Google Chrome so that nobody can see your, your, your history. And then you're going to start searching those things. You know what the book of Proverbs is going to say? I looked at a young man or a young woman and I saw him or her walking down the adulterous way. Here, I was standing by my window. This is what, this is what the book of Proverbs is going to say. I was standing by my window and I saw this young person going down the route of destruction. This, this simple one, the word that is used is this simple one, this one who lacks sense, this one who doesn't think properly. Look at him. Look at him about to destroy his life. For a moment. See, the book of Proverbs is going to say a lot. You're going to have a friend who's going to come at you and say, Hey, could you take out a loan for me? I mean, I know you, 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 you've got good, better credit than I do. Can you take out a loan for me? And the book of Proverbs is going to say, A fool puts up security for his neighbor. No, but no, I, I need to help out my friend. I love them. I'll just, I'll just write the contract in my name. But I know this person's good for it. This person's going to pay me over 24 months for this, for this phone contract. They'll pay me back. It's fine. Proverbs says, look at the fool putting up security for his neighbor. See? See, the book of Proverbs, if we study it properly, I'm trying to arouse you. If we study it properly, properly over this year, and we really pay attention to its lessons, we will be wiser for it. If we just take it and then let it expose the foolishness that is in us, and let it, let it give us wisdom, drink from wisdom, um, we will be wiser for it. I'm inviting you on a journey with me this year on, in the book of Proverbs where we study wisdom. Study wisdom. Study what it is to live a life under God. Last year we looked at the Ten Commandments. And when we were looking at the Ten Commandments, we were looking at life morally. Under God, how are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to keep? How are we supposed to love Him and love others? We looked at each of those Ten Commandments. Now, we're saying, how do we just navigate life um, as it is? In the book of Proverbs, you're going to find instruction regarding anything and everything. Uh, the book of Proverbs is going to uh, confront us with certain patterns of thinking, certain things that we don't even think are sin. You see, the Ten Commandments is very clear. You don't do this, you're sinning, right? Very clear. Book of Proverbs says, you, you're, not, you're not seeing this properly. You think you're being wise. But actually, you're not actually being wise. See, the book of Proverbs is going to tell you, you know how to discipline a child? You know how you're supposed to discipline a child? Rod. Do you know what's inside a child's heart? Foolishness. How do I take out the, the foolishness that's in my child? Book of Proverbs, the rod. No, 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 we're more progressed now. No, no, no. We do corners. We do, we do quiet times. We do no stick sweets. Book of Proverbs is just going to look at you and say, Rod. Folly is bound up. Folly, here's the heart of a child. And the thing that's around the heart of a child is foolishness. 
And what's the way you take away this foolishness? It's with a rod. Now, come now with your, with your progressive mindsets. Come with these fancy things. Well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And watch the foolishness in your child's heart stay there. Because God has told you that there's one way to take out foolishness, the rod. So there are all these things that, 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 that seem wise. You know, as we study more and, and we understand things more, these things seem wise. They, they don't look like it's sin. But it is foolishness. It is being stupid according to biblical words. It is not being wise. It is lacking sense. It is being simple-minded. And I'm inviting you with me this year on a journey towards wisdom. Are you with me? Yeah, you, are you here? Yeah? yeah, are you? I just want to see, make sure that you're still with me on this, yeah? Okay, so let's start now with the prologue. Uh, with group one. Group one, I'm just going to go ahead and read the prologue. Um, and then I'm going to ask you to... I'm going to ask you uh, to just go ahead and, uh, and uh, just tell us how you answer these questions. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Group one, I asked you a few questions. Where's your spokesperson? Yeah? Oh, you're the spoke. Yeah. What is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? Um, so we found the uh, purpose of the book of Proverbs from verse 1 to verse 4, uh, which is just that uh, whole period there to know wisdom and instruction, understand words of insight, instruction in wise dealing, uh, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to simple uh, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So that was our. So. It is, it, is, it is for these particular categories to know these things, to receive these things. The book of Proverbs is to impart something. The, the assumption in the book of Proverbs, I don't know if you noticed it, the assumption in the book of Proverbs is that there are people who don't have this that need to get it. Do you see this? Don't have it. We need to start there. Okay? You don't have it. No, you. I'm not talking about you. Don't have it. You understand? You don't have it. You need to get it. Because even the wise need to hear it and increase in learning. Meaning that even those who are further along the way, they still need to get what is in here. You understand? There is no person who has arrived at this entirely. All of us need to keep getting it. All of us need to ensure that we grow in it. Now, the wonderful thing about it is that if once we get it, somehow it stays with us. This is something that we get, that we obtain, that we have, and then it stays with us. So it means then that it is not getting it here. Are you with me? It is not getting it just to under to here it is in my mind, because what happens to this? You forget that getting it is getting it in me, in my person, in my inner man, my entire being. I get wisdom. I obtain it. I have it. It is with me. There is a person who doesn't have wisdom and there's a person who does. Are you with me? Okay. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is the book of Proverbs for? Yeah. To the simple. To the simple. Uh, and then uh, for the youth. To the youth. Young man. 
Yep. Uh, and uh, the, well, not to answer three, but they were we split all those in different categories. The greedy, so the opposites that you see throughout the the chapter uh, of uh, the unjust, uh, the greedy, um, uh, the yeah, I think those are. Yeah, yeah. That, those are those are good. And then, why do these people need it? So why they need it, uh, we see in verse fifteen, I think. Yeah. Um, so that uh, so verse fifteen, my son, do not walk in the way with them, hold back with foot from their path, uh, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood, and then going all, all the way there so that uh, that that person those categories can avoid um, walking in the way or being in the in the way of the wicked ones hundred percent hundred percent yeah um, a this to give prudence to the simple how would you describe a simple person How would you describe, here's a person who's simple. And you have to understand, this is not talking about it in a positive sense, yeah? Right? They are complicated people and we don't want to be friends with them. Because they're complicated. We like people that are straightforward. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a simple person. A simpleton is the older English word. How, how would you describe a simple person? Offer a suggestion. Sorry? Does put? Ha! Hey! Hey, Bob. Hey. Hey. I don't know if they are comrades here. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, you could probably say that, though, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, like yeah, shrimp. You know what I mean? Like, just. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh. Like, uh. Yeah, when we think of a simple person, we think of a character. Do you, does everybody know Forrest Gump? This very simple person who didn't really think much. He was a bit, he was a bit lost, right? He just everything was just, was very lost in life. That's the kind of the idea, but but it's not that overt. And and part of simpleness is this. Simpleness in the book of Proverbs is is opposed or juxtaposed to the person who has knowledge. Are you with me? So there's a person who has knowledge and there's a person who is simple. It means a person doesn't have knowledge. Now, who is the person, or let me me put it this way, how do we know somebody has knowledge according to the prologue? I need a, need a, a clear answer. Raise your hand. According to the prologue, how do we even get to know that somebody has knowledge? There's something very, something there. Sorry? The fear of God. And what does it say in verse 7? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Without the fear of God, there is no true knowledge. And if there is no true knowledge, you are a simpleton. You seeing this? If you have knowledge, you are not a simple. But the only way to have knowledge is that you are actually at the base, you fear the Lord. You have to think about this now. It gets a bit complicated, but let me just help you here. We're in the East right now. We're not in Johannesburg. We're in the East. And in the Eastern mind, the concept of knowledge and wisdom are almost synonymous. It is this idea of walking in light of God. Um, wisdom is not this, this, just this thing that is cerebral, like we think about it being influenced by, uh, you know, the Western philosophers and things like this, especially in the past two centuries. It, where just wisdom just seems to be like, as long as you you know you know you you are progressive, you know certain facts then you are wise and you have knowledge in the mind in the east it's not like that it is all encompassing knowledge is about the whole being the does this person carry themselves 
in a manner that shows that they have knowledge. In other words, we're talking about when we say the simple, when we say to give prudence to the simple, we mean the, the, the simple do not have prudence. The simple do not have righteousness. The simple are walking waywardly. They're going left, right and center. They're not walking in light of God. They need to be given prudence. They need to be given understanding. They need to have true knowledge. And that knowledge is attainable uh, via the fear of God. So to summarize the first point here, here's the the first thing. Uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Meaning that only if you fear the Lord can you be considered not to be a simpleton. Only if you fear the Lord can you even hope to be on the road towards wisdom. If you don't fear the Lord, there is no category by which we could say you have wisdom. Now, there are of course people out there in the world who know stuff. Are you with me? Yeah? People who invent stuff. The chair that you're probably sitting on was most likely not even invented by a Christian. So there is a knowledge that's out there that is not true knowledge. It is not the knowledge that the book of Proverbs is interested in. The book of Proverbs, is not tra- when it says knowledge, it's not talking about mathematics. It's not talking about the laws of gravity. It is talking about true knowledge, lasting knowledge, eternal knowledge, real knowledge, with, without which no one will see the Lord. Without this knowledge, no one is going to be able to enter the Lord's courts. And this knowledge is the, is the proof that somebody fears the Lord. So even just as we begin out the gate here, I want to say this. If you are in here and you have not come to the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, personally, I'm not talking about your family or whatever, but personally you, you have not come to the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, Everything else that we talking about, we talk about in the book of Proverbs, either tonight or later on, is going to be utterly and completely useless to you. Unless you personally are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, unless you have the fear of the Lord on your forehead, this covenantal grace on your forehead that you walk with Jesus Christ, you fear Him, you love Him, you are in covenant with Him, All of what we're going to discuss is entirely useless to you. See, it's very possible for you to be a person who controls your tongue, controls your money well, becomes great in the world, and still go burn in hell for all eternity. It's very possible. See, hell is not just going to be full of people who are visibly wayward. Hell, where God punishes sinners for all eternity, is going to be full of some people who looked outwardly fine. Outwardly, they looked fine. You see? Everything looked fine. They looked like they had what appears as wisdom. They were dressed in what looked like wisdom. They conducted themselves in what appeared as wisdom. But in their hearts, they did not fear the Lord. And they lived a lawless life. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, On that day, He will say to them, Get away from me, I never knew you. On that final day, get away from me. I never knew you. Oh no, but I did all these things. Doesn't matter. I never knew you. You worker of lawlessness. So the, 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 the important thing in all of this, friends, is that we, as we embark on this journey, that you need to make sure that the first thing is first. Okay? I have come to the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I fear, I truly walk with Him and fear Him. If that's not true of you, please speak to me afterwards. Find someone to speak to. Let's discuss it. Let's work through it because that is the most important thing that you can get out of this meeting. Right. Now, let's move on to verses... Oh, sorry. The second part was... Who was it written to? It was written to the simple and is written to knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now, in verse 4... The word simple and youth is a parallelism. Meaning it could be that he's saying the same thing in a different way. So when you, say, when you see there to give prudence to the simple, he is referring to someone who is young, 
but young in their righteousness, young in their work with God, not, not all there. And when he says the youth, he's now flipping it, but staying within the same theme, he's saying someone who is young of age. Someone specifically who is now who is to give knowledge and discretion to a person who is young of age. Um, so, uh, again, we've already made the point that this book is entirely written, written for people who are young. Let's come to the second part now. We are to discuss verses 8 to 19, group 2. Um, uh, I asked you a number of questions there. Whose instruction should young people treasure? Where's your spokesperson? Yep, Gila? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Before you go on, I want to say something with that. Okay. Just a moment. Um. Even if your parents are not godly, okay? Even if your parents are not Christians, um, treasure their instruction. Are you with me? Just because your parent is not a Christian does not necessarily mean that they don't have a station that needs to be honored. And when you read it, we're going to see this a lot in the book of Proverbs and, and in other many other books in the scripture, that with age comes certain things that, require, that demand respect and honor from us, younger people. Okay, well, from you. I'm not as young as you. <laughs> Except for you. But, uh, <laughs> um, but for you youngsters, uh, there's something to be, to be treasured from people who have, who, have, who have 10 years on you, 20 years on you. And even if they're, if they're your parents... Um, there is something to be listened to there. I, I'll never forget one part of my life I was living with my, uh, my maternal grandfather and grandmother. And my grandfather was a drunk. You understand? Like He had his house on the side there and I'd come back from school and go to school and he'd be sitting outside his house there drunk saying, to be or not to be, to die or not to That's literally what he'd say every day, like without fail. He was a drunk. I mean, we just never took him seriously. But then he would say things that my that my my the people around me, my older cousins and siblings and so forth, that were with me, they were doing things that were against what he was saying, and it was actually evil things what they were doing. They were actually doing exact evil things that brought shame to the home, to the home to where we were living. It brought shame to the home. Because he's a drunk, let's forget about him. Let's not pay attention to him. He's a drunk, why pay attention to him? But some of the things, now I look back, some of the things that he was saying while he was drunk there, okay, some days he wasn't drunk, but while he was there saying some of these things, they would have done well. I mean, I was a kid, I was just crawling, so I, but they would have done well, and I would have done well to pay, to pay attention to it. They would have saved themselves a lot of heartache and a lot of problems in their lives, my older cousins and so forth, if they'd listened to him. But they actually went down some of the roads that he was screaming as they're walking up and down by his door, that he was screaming that they're going to go down that bad road. They went down those bad roads and they had those situations because they didn't listen to a parent who was there. So all I'm saying to you is that just because someone's not a, your parent is not a Christian, God has put that person, that guardian in your life above you you need to honor that. Are you with me? Okay. Now, of course, you understand. There's a limit to that, especially when Scripture comes in and they say, start saying things that are against Scripture. But that's rather clear. In general, you need to heed their instruction. In general. Yeah. Did I see a hand? Oh, no. I thought I was seeing a hand. Go ahead. Please continue. So the next question is why? Why? Why, why, why should you treasure these, these people's uh, instruction? Mm-hmm. So we have the grace of God and 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Look at you guys doing some like typology there. <laughs> Look at you being all fancy. Yes, yes, go ahead. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Let me uh, hold on. Let me just stop you there, and add some words to that, guys. Do, I, I hope you can see. This is a wonderful. You guys saw it. I'm glad you guys saw it. Verse nine is the key as to why we are to treasure our parents, uh, the words of our parents. They are a graceful garland on your head and pendants for your neck. I just, I'm trying to remember what I said when we spoke about the fifth commandment. I don't want to repeat myself. Uh, but it bears, it bears repeating. It, it is very clear to me that one of the signs that a young person is truly regenerate, meaning that one of the signs that a young person truly knows the Lord, is how they treat their parents. And not just how they treat them when their parents are there, but how they consider their parents. Are the words of your parents prized? Or are they, ah, you know what I mean? I I saw the other day, and I, I just had a moment where I felt very old. I saw the other day where somebody said, well, if you were born in the 1900s, you can't speak about this. And I was like, we're at that stage now. 1900s like <laughs> these these Gen Z are talking like this now 1900s really 1999 was just now but now we're calling it 1900s yo heaven i felt very i felt very offended i'm going to say there's this thing of just like there there is this air of really looking down on the words of our parents and in the words of those who come from before, we, we, we have this thing, this, we just have this idea that we, we know better. That we are at a better stage. That we, 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 we're, we're, we're a bit more advanced. We might not put it in those sophisticated ways, but that's what we believe when we're with our friends. And let me tell you, you know, it's amazing. You go to Romans 1. Sorry, not Romans 1. It's, uh, it's 2 Timothy. Where, where the Spirit is prophesying what people are going to be like in the last days, right now. And you know what? One of the things the Spirit thinks that we need to know what people will be like in the last days, they are disobedient to parents. He says that in Second Timothy. They are disobedient to parents. They don't honor parents. They don't take the words of the parent and treasure them and consider them and put them and, and put them in their in their necklaces. This is the teaching that my mother or my father gave me. I'm going to walk in it. Let me give you an example to show you how much the scripture really prizes this thing. In in First Kings, we are told of a of a of a group of people, some sons, great grandchildren, I think of someone, who decided, who said, we're never gonna drink alcohol. Why? Because our great-great-granddad said we shouldn't drink alcohol. Now, the wine is a gift from the Lord. They knew that wine is a wonderful thing. As a gift from the Lord, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's to make our hearts glad. We will drink wine. The Lord Jesus says, even in the new, in the new heavens and the new earth. So wine is a wonderful thing. But they said, we will keep ourselves from that pleasure to honor the name the, the, to honor the name of our great grandfather because he said so and then in the scripture it is, it is explained as a wise thing and a wonderful thing and an honorable thing it was not specifically some kind of weird law it was just because in that family he decided not to have alcohol for certain whatever reasons and the scripture exalts them for honoring the word of their great grandfather that way 
We've, we've lost that. We've completely lost that connection, that, that honor, that idea of the exaltation, the, the idea of sitting down. You see, the idea in the Proverbs is that you're sitting down at your father's feet listening. You, you, you get this idea? You're sitting down without an answer. No, but, no, but. You're sitting down saying, tell me. And then they, they start telling you. And they start honoring. They start telling you. And you are told to take that and, 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 and put it as a, the thing in your head. And, and put it here. Let it shine. That's what makes you beautiful. Contrary to popular belief, what makes you beautiful is not makeup. What makes you beautiful is not these external things. Going to gym, of course, it makes you beautiful. Okay, fine. That's all those things are nice and great. But what actually makes you beautiful, even Peter says, it is what is inside. What actually makes you beautiful is do you honor your parents? And more than just honoring their parents, go word for it. Do you honor their word? Do you treasure? Their word. Do you see their word and take it as, I'm going to study what you have said. And I'm going to study all the contours of what you said. And I'm going to make sure that I apply it. And and suck all the juice out of what you said. Because you are my parent. That's what what the Proverbs say. And if you don't don't do that, if you're not living that way, you need to repent. If you don't prize... See, we prize other voices and other people. We prize our pastors more than our parents. Do you understand how much of a sin that is? It is a serious sin. To prize your pastor's word more than your parents' word is egregious. Because you're saying that God made a mistake by giving you your parent. You're saying, God should have given me... I'm not anybody's parent here. I'm not your father. I'm Koban's father, not yours. <laughs> like, sorry. Like, God has given you whoever your guardian is. He's given you whoever your guardian is, and that's the person whose word you need to treasure. Of course, treasure the words of your pastors as much as they show you God's word and, and try and lead you. But do not think low of the words of your parents, but prize them. Prize them high. Prize them bigly. It's like, it's amazing. The, the, uh, the, the obsession that the book of Proverbs, you'll, you'll see this. It's almost like Solomon has an obsession with parents. Like he's, he's just so obsessed over and over and over again. He says, whatever comes from your mother, whatever comes from your father, just take it in. He's, he's a bit obsessed. I feel like in heaven I'll ask him, did you have a really great relationship with David? I thought David wasn't a great dad. Like, why are you so obsessed with parents? And I think the reason he's obsessed with parents is because it's a biblical thing to do, to take the word of your parents. Please, guys, I'm, I'm emphasizing this point because I think it is something that we've lost and we need to recover it. Okay, describe the people who are calling out to the young. What do they want to do and why do they want to do it? No, that's fine, that's fine. So they are evil and, and they make everything evil. That is perfectly fine, yeah.
Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, now, hear this. There's two voices. The, the, the book of Proverbs, one of the running themes throughout the book that you will not notice if you only read the later parts of the book, just when there's like one proverb, one proverb, is that it, it sets up two voices. That's a, it, everything's in twos. There's this voice and this voice. There's the voice of wisdom and then there's the voice of folly. There is the voice of the adulterous woman and then there's the voice of the lady wisdom. There's the voice of the fear of God and there's the voice of simplicity. You'll see this theme as we trace it throughout. It's a, it's a big theme in the book of Proverbs. Even right here, there are two voices set against each other. There's two voices. The first voice is the voice of who? Your parents. The first voice is the voice of your parents. And the second voice is whose voice? Sinners. Are you seeing this? Look at it. Hear my son, verse 8. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Okay, great. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And then he goes on talking about these sinners. If they say this, if they say that, who were you told to listen to just now, just in a moment? It's hear your, whose who's instruction? Your father's and your mother's. And now, the first thing that your father or your mother says is don't listen to the sinners out there. It's two voices. Your parents' voice, your, 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 the, the voice of your, of your godly parents. Okay, this is idealistic, I'll admit that. There's this, 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 this voice that, that lead, wants to lead you towards life, and then there's this voice of sinners who are on the side. He just here picks on those specifically who want to plunder and take possessions. But really, the entirety of it here is that there's evil coming from out there, from the many voices that are outside that want you to join with them in the evil that they want to do. And on this side, there's your mother and father calling you back. There's your mother and father. How many of you have experienced this? Where your mom and dad, or your grandmother, or whoever it is, is just always saying things that are to bring your life around don't go that way go this way have you have you experienced that wait 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 your parents or whoever it is is saying they're gonna that's what's happening out there your friends say this your peers say this all of these say this but i'm telling you this is the way to go and who are you tempted to listen to the sinners who are your age okay the sinners here are specifically um, uh, they are his. They are this young man's age, and the reason I can say that is because they they entice him to go do things that are specific to his age. These are people who are now at the cusp of their strength and wanting to do gain. And so now, instead of getting gain in a godly way, they go to get gain in an ungodly way. So these are people who are all saying, hey, how are we supposed to live our lives? You want to get wealthy, I want to get wealthy. Well, instead of trying to get wealthy the godly way, let's go get wealthy the evil way. In one sense, we could say that these sinners are all the people you have with you in university. They're at the, right, they're, they're at the same station of life as you. Same station of life. They're saying, hey, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to gain these things that we want to gain? How are we going to get what we want? Are we going to get it the right way? Or are we going to get it the evil way? And these guys say, come, let us lie in wait for blood. Come, let's, let's, do, let's not do it the right way. Let's not do it wisdom's way. Let's do it the evil way. Let's lie in wait for blood. Let's ambush the innocent without reason. Are you seeing these two voices? These two voices are very clear. It's the voice of your parents calling you towards righteousness and the voice of your, your peers calling you toward evil. Group three. 
discuss verses 20 to verse verse 33. Um, What is, and I just have a few questions here for you, group three. What is wisdom depicted as doing here in verse 20 to 23? Where's group three? Yeah, what, what, what is she doing? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, wisdom is there crying. Hey guys, I'm here. As it's like you you see this picture, yeah? Like you have a bunch of people on the city streets, and there's this woman, wisdom, screaming loudly, "I'm here. I'm available. Come to me. I'm here. I'm available. Come and get life." Don't go down that other road. Come here to me. Um, I'm the one you should be coming to. Um, She stands at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And she says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And how long will fools hate knowledge? So here's a bunch of people continuing in their foolish lives, continuing in their scoffing lives, continuing in their unrighteous, simple lives. And she's here saying, guys, what's the point? Why are you going going down that road? Come here to me. Um, And then I asked you guys this question, why do... Why do people love? Oh, I said, I wrote, I hope you guys saw that. Did you see that I made a mistake? Oh, I'm glad. I was trying to say, why do people love being simple-minded? And why do scoffers love scoffing? What did you guys say? So we said, there's no compatibility complementing them. There's no compatibility complementing their depraved, our depraved interests in beings. Yeah. There's no fear of the Lord. They lack the spirit. Yes, yes. Um, There is, this is exactly right what you guys have just said. There is a love relationship between sin and the sinner to such a degree that you can't really separate them unless something catastrophic happens. Something very powerful. They are attached in an immovable way. The scoffers love scoffing, the simple love being simple minded. Uh, the fools absolutely hate knowledge, true knowledge, the one that comes by knowing God. And it is impossible to separate them unless something very catastrophic, something very powerful, something that comes from heaven happens to them. They love their foolishness. Uh, they love their sin. Um, and those who, who are in Christ need to not act like them. If we're in Christ, we've been redeemed from foolishness and scoffing and all this. And so we need to not, we need to stop acting like them and actually stay in our lane, stay with the lady wisdom. Now, what will happen to those who do not listen to wisdom? There is a consequence. They're going to get stuck. They're going to be destroyed. These are very strong words that we're told here. Um, But what will happen to those who listen to the Lady Wisdom? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. If you listen to to wisdom, if you listen to these words of wisdom, you're, you're, you will dwell secure. And you will not be shaken. You will be at ease without dread of disaster. But if you don't, then even your own complacency will destroy you. Um, this is a this is a high this is a warning, and I appreciate you connecting it to the warning of the Lord Jesus Christ there, because that's exactly right. The the warning is that anybody who hears this and does not apply it will die, but they won't die a quick death. Okay, they will die a slow, painful, dreadful, insecure, dark. Eternal, never-ending dying. It is not the quick, you're switched off, it's over, you're done, let's move on. It is the slow dread. You see, when you read these words, for the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. The word destroy there means one thing. You think that the word destroy means that they're destroyed, they don't exist anymore. That's not what the word means. The word means destroy in the sense of there will be no more use for you. There will be you'll be you'll be useless. The idea is this: here's a piece of land. The piece of land is supposed to what? We're supposed to see crops from it, yeah? We plant crops on this piece of land. We plant crops, plant crops, plant crops, and we expect to see a yield from the piece of land. But there's destruction that has happened on the piece of land now, such that the piece of land is no longer useful. The piece of land is still there, but it is no longer useful. It is, it is spent out of its usefulness. This is very serious. The other picture that we get when they use this word destroy, the other picture is uh, oil. Oil that has now lost its usefulness. They would use oil to make themselves beautiful and clean and, and all this. Now, oil has lost its power in the book of Ezekiel. It is no longer changing anything it is destroyed while it, even though it still exists it's still there but it's destroyed another picture the lord jesus gives us salt what does he say about salt that's lost its saltiness it's useful it's useless it has to be thrown in the fire it's not just that it's thrown in the fire and it just disappears and burns the idea is it is destroyed already because it's lost its saltiness This destroy talks about you are here, you exist, but you are absolutely worthless. The more, if you keep going down the road to foolishness, while you are here, you will be a zombie. Just existing without having any kind of useful impact. You are no longer performing that for which you were designed for. You were designed to know God. You were designed to walk with God. You were designed as an image of God, performing the dominion underneath God here on earth. You were designed to love Him, honor Him, make much of Him. And if you don't walk in the way of wisdom, you are destroyed while you are alive. You are useless entirely while you are busy being busy. You see, this goes all the way back to Genesis. What happened in Genesis? What was the curse to Adam regarding the ground? The ground now is going to be harder for you. You remember that? You're going to be working hard on the ground. It's going to be, you're going to work hard on the ground and you, you're going to get some food of it, but man, it's going to be hard for you to get anything out of it. And then what happened to Cain after he killed his brother? Do you remember this? you remember what happened to Cain after he killed his brother? He was told that the ground will not yield anything for him entirely. Cain's job as a, as a worker, what Cain was doing was he was doing fruits and plants and trees. And while his brother Abel was a, a sheep person. He was doing, he, that's all he knew. All he knew was tending the ground. And now God says, because you've killed Abel and the blood of Abel is crying out to me, you, the ground won't do anything for you. You will be on the ground, you will see it, you will work it, nothing will come out for you. Do you remember the Lord Jesus destroying the, 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 the useless fig tree? The fig tree that was supposed to produce fruit? Do you remember this? The tree is destroyed already. Jesus just confirmed its destruction. 
Because it's not yielding fruit at the time that it's supposed to. Are you seeing the picture I'm trying to paint? Being, living a life of foolishness is living a life of uselessness. The complacency of fools leads them to being useless while they're still alive. While they're still moving and busy and carrying, carrying things and carrying chairs and, and singing to all dirt. Useless. Because they are going down the, the way of fool. And the only way, the only way that there can be security and salvation and true life is if wisdom is listened to. The only way by which you can actually live secure, stable, is if wisdom is listened to. If you pay attention to wisdom. And that means that you need to pay attention. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil the book of Proverbs for you here. Do you know who the lady wisdom is? Can anybody give me a guess as to who the lady wisdom is? Go ahead. Just raise your head, our, our hand. Yep. It's the Holy Spirit. Close. Close. It's Jesus Christ. We're going to see as we go on, especially next week, about well, two weeks' time, we're going to see that it's actually Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the wisdom that is calling out to himself. See, all of it, it lands and centers on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Are you with me? And so, were you raising your hand? Oh, no, I thought you were. No, Benji, no. Finally, let's come to group four. What is wisdom? Give me some popular definitions and tell me what makes biblical wisdom distinct. Yeah. And what and and with all of that, what's the difference? What what is biblical wisdom? What makes it distinct from all these popular definitions? Perfect. Biblical wisdom starts with God. This is perfect. Here's, um, here's an important thing here, guys. Um, very important. Um, the measure of your Christianity is not very complicated. It's rather simple. How much do you obey God? That's the measure of your Christianity. It's not complicated. The measure of your discipleship and maturity in Christ is how much do you obey God on a daily basis? Do you have the holiness without which no one will see the Lord? Not complicated. It's not knowledge as in facts, data, information. It is taking those facts, data, information into practice. It is taking what God has said, submitting myself to it. You understand? You see what I'm saying? If you want to know what true wisdom is, true wisdom is the picture that we're given in Isaiah 66. See, people have many ideas, even in the Bible, of what true wisdom is. And God says, I don't need these bulls and goats. These bulls and goats, I made all of the stuff. All I want is someone who is contrite in spirit and does what in my word. 
when you hear God's word preached, or when you, when you read God's word and it comes at you and it confronts you, your knees must shake. And if your knees don't shake, if you can hear God's word and God's word confronts you in your sin, and you can just continue drinking and sipping your, your, your coffee like nothing happened, you're not wise. The word of God is not having its effect on you. Because true wisdom is responding in submission to God and applying. Not knowing. Not chasing after knowledge. It's applying. Applying. Doing it. Don't be a hearer of the word, but a doer. That's true wisdom. That's wisdom. If you want to know what biblical wisdom is that. Here's God. Do I fear him? Well, what is it to fear God, Lelo? To fear God is to obey Him and walk with Him. In covenant, in, in covenant with God, do I respond as one who knows Him to be the supreme being, my sovereign, my Lord? And I don't just sing that, I do that. That's, that's what it is. And so the book of Proverbs is really that. The book of Proverbs, one could say is the taking of the Ten Commandments and applying them to every known situation in life. It's to take the Ten Commandments, the law of God, and to try and apply it in different ways, in different places of life, very specifically. And to even work through that. That's what it is. It's to say, how am I supposed to speak in this situation? How am I supposed to think in this situation? Should I respond to all my emotions in this situation or should I respond to something in a different way? Who am I supposed to be in partnership with if the Ten Commandments are true? Who am I supposed to listen to and who mustn't I listen to? See, that's what wisdom is. It's just saying, God has spoken, now let me walk it. And let's think through different situations in life. Are you with me? So let, let me just leave you with that challenge, guys. Um, uh, do not get used to thinking that you're something you're not. You are not what you think you are in your head. You are what you live like in your life. If in your lifestyle you walk in the darkness, like John says, you make it a practice to live in sin, then, then don't be surprised when the Bible says you're not in Christ. If you make it a practice to, to slander people, then don't be surprised when the Bible calls you a fool. See, don't, do not listen to your own press in your own minds. Oh, this is what I wonder. This is what I am. I'm a mature person. I'm a person with wisdom. No. The true person with wisdom is what do you do? I know it's, it's, it's how do you live? Do you, have you structured your way in line with God's word and are you applying that? Now, hear me clearly. Don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the way to salvation here. Okay? Are you clear on this? I'm not saying this is how you get saved. I'm not talking about the way to salvation. That is determined by something entirely different by someone entirely different. But what we're talking about here is if you are a person who is an, who, who's addicted to stuff, then that's what you are. You need to deal with it. If you are a person who's lazy, then you can call it procrastination all, all day long. You can call it student syndrome all day long. The book of Proverbs is going to give you a very nice four-letter word for it. Laziness. Okay, that's not four letters. Lazy. That's what it is. Okay? That's what it is. If you, what's laziness? We'll, we'll discuss it in chapter 6. But I can tell you now, laziness is not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Or doing what you're not supposed to be doing. Or doing something else when you're supposed to be doing something else. Very simple. It's the application of the Ten Commandments. Am I in my lane? Am I doing what God has called me to? If I'm being paid for these eight or nine hours, am I working in these eight or nine hours? Or am I doing something else? See? So, I, all, all, I'm, all I want to say to you is this, is that we, we must stop thinking that we're something that we're not. 
Okay? We need to measure ourselves biblically. And we need to properly ensure that we, our lives, are stacking up to the scripture. And then we need to realize and praise the Lord Jesus for what he has done for us. Because if it was left to us to just apply this, my friend, we would be having this meeting in judgment. Like, if it was left to us to apply these things and live them, and that's what earned us salvation, that's what made, gave us friendship with God, we might as well go to 7th Street and have a good time. <laughs> just, just go to 7th Street, it's right here. They're having a good time there, why are we here wasting our time? That's why we need to say, praise be to God. The Lamb of God died for us, so that even in our failing, as we fail it, as it regards to wisdom, He He gave us life. He died for us. He purchased for us life, the life we couldn't. But that does not mean that we are now to live however, as you know, we are to apply wisdom. So let's pray that the Lord would give us wisdom this year. Let's think through this. Get a commentary on the book of Proverbs. Come with your questions. We're going to go through them thematically. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited for it. And I'm, I'm going to trust the Lord that the Lord would, uh, would help us this year as we look at this book. Let me pray. Father, you are merciful that you would think of us in our youth um, as you prepared this book, as you inspired Solomon and the many other men uh, who wrote here. Uh, Lord, we praise you uh, for your inspiration, uh, for how you've organized the church and how you've thought about us. So we pray, Lord, that as we want to gain this information, we want to gain prudence and we want to gain discretion and knowledge we pray lord that you'd be merciful to us to give it don't withhold it from us lord if you withhold it from us well what's the point if you do not impart this inner and etch this on our hearts then we're wasting our times we need your help lord we need your guidance we are holy and entirely completely dependent upon your hand guiding us as we study your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would apply this to our hearts and our minds, that you change us um, privately, change us in our thinking, free us from patterns of thinking that are evil, free us from addictions, from laziness, from all kinds of things that are typical of those in our age. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to flee all youthful lusts and pursue righteousness and godliness uh, in response to the wonderful call that we have received in Christ Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would make us a holy people, a people set apart for your own name. Uh, May it be found here at Heritage, a group of people who, though young, are well beyond their years in terms of how they honor you. That, they might, that we might be a people who honor you, who consider you in all of our ways, who do not think that we are wise in our own minds, but we pursue the wisdom of your word. I pray, Lord, this blessing on us. In Christ's name, amen.